Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast, Night and Moon. I am Tanner Knight, and joined with me, as always, is my lovely and talented wife, Gabby Luna Knight. Hi. Hello. And joined with her is Jack, our lovely little lab. Oh, hi, Jackie. So you may hear him snarfling in the background. <laughs> and Smokey is in his kennel. <laughs> enjoying that and there's the pet update for the day yes <laughs> we, we love our animals and hope you love our animals too yes so, i guess i should post pictures of them in our in our instagram yeah have we not done that in a while i don't think i have yeah, yeah it's time time yeah, for a, we're, we're getting into the groove update. back again yeah yeah slowly getting in the groove yeah and they're so photogenic yes they totally are <laughs> so that's enough about our pets, I guess. Well, I think they're also <laughs> slowly starting to cuddle, which who doesn't like seeing a, a cat and a dog cuddle? I mean, it's so cute. It's pretty impressive. So Gabby and I are consumers of media, just like you and the rest of the world. And, you know, sometimes we watch some things we like, something. sometimes we watch something we hate. Yeah. And I think it's it's rarer to find something that you watch where you walk away saying, wow, that was really worth my time. Or if you pay $10 to go see a movie, you walk away saying, wow, that was really worth my time in $10. You know, it's really hard for me to want to go to the movies. <laughs> because how how many times have you walked away saying that wasn't worth my time nor my $10? More often than uh, not. Yeah, as a person who, like, I just don't like how loud the movies are and i feel like <laughs> well, in mexico yeah. it was one of the main sources of entertainment that we had as kids mm -hmm. and so being i felt a lot like it was something take one for the team you know <laughs> like that's one thing i like if i i don't know whatever it is that i would prefer like making sure that we get pizza then i had to you know take one for the team and and watch a movie and i always kind of hated it unless it was a movie i really wanted to see going to the theater was not my favorite and now that i'm an adult and i don't have to <laughs> yeah it's even less and you don't even like it yourself either so it's the best <laughs> well i i kind of have, have a an actual not not that your reason is not an actual reason but but <laughs> i have a, a a very specific reason why i just don't like going to the movie theaters Anyway. I actually want to get into that, but okay, so let's tell people what we're doing, and I remind you, if you listen to our episode of the end of the year review, when it came to the the question of what was your favorite movie, we realized that we had not watched <laughs> any movies at all <laughs> yeah, last we, year. We did not invest our time nor energy into watching movies, and we did end up watching a lot of good series, uh -huh. and we talked about that as well, but... But as far as movies go, and I, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, we, that we were still coming out of the pandemic slump of that whole industry trying to catch up to what's safe. And okay, Well, that's one thing, but like there was really no excuse for us. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. We had no excuse other because than... Because HBO has all the releases. Well, that certainly made it less appealing to go to the movie theater, but I just was not excited by anything that I saw advertised and I, I didn't go out of my way to see all kinds of different advertisements. So maybe, or I'll go out on a, on a limb and say, I'm sure there's movies that I would have enjoyed that. I just was not aware of. And yeah, that happens, but it's almost like the NFL, how we have the lingo, how we talked about how, if you stop going or stop watching the NFL games, you don't understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's almost like the same if you fall off of the movie van wagon, you don't know what movies are coming up. Yeah, you kind of have to go to the movies to see what's coming up to yeah. see it in the trailers. And to a certain extent, that's a semi-enjoyable part of the movie experience, I would say. Except for, depending on whatever movie you go to, every trailer that you see looks terrible. <laughs> and it's all the same, like either overblown dramatic with the... I think they call it the inception horn, which has been uh -huh. a sound that's been adopted, which is a sound that has been adopted by all of these action movies. Whenever something epic happens, I you think have I that know. wow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's all these trailers are is just <laughs> like sound to generate emotions because they can't tell you too much about what it is, except for some movies have such little depth to them that you see the entire thing in the trailer anyway so it's not 100 percent enjoyable yeah 
but it does give you as you mentioned it gives you kind of an insight into what's coming down the pike yeah i've always thought that when i would watch trailers sometimes you can kind of tell that they had to put their best scene on the trailer yeah i think that's kind of the mandate of the trailer at least for a bad movie if you know you have a bad movie then you're going to see the absolute funniest lines in the trailer. And oh you're probably God. going to see them twice. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so annoying. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, as, as I got older, I don't know if I got just more jaded or what happened, but I just do not enjoy mu movies as much. But this episode is, as you probably can tell in the title, <laughs> it's a movie review. And here, here's the thing. I thought we were going to continue our no movie situation we really had no indication otherwise there was it's not like there was this bevy of excellent movies that were being delivered to us until there was and we had no real idea what we were getting into in pretty much all cases but somehow we ended up it's not we're not even done with january and we've watched four different movies and i don't know if any of you know but Tanner actually used to write <laughs> legit movie reviews for wh who did you do that for? Uh, it was a website called 365 Days of Film. And it was run by this local guy who is this just total movie buff. He's the kind of guy that comes close to guessing each Oscar winner wow. every year. He, they, they have like this ongoing thing where if you can guess every single winner, then you get a million bucks. There's this, this has standard. that ever happened? I'm sure it has. I, I don't really follow. It's like fantasy football. It, yeah, it kind of is. It's like, am I finding lots of parallels in this <laughs> yeah, episode? <you> are. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of a way to enjoy film beyond watching the actual movies. He hired me to just basically provide content. And the job consisted of going to two to three movies a week. Wow. And writing 500 to a thousand words about them and <laughs> you know that may sound like kind of easy and at first it, it was it's like i did it because it was easy it was enjoyable and you had something to say i had something to say you know it yeah. wasn't the biggest voice in the room but i could always find something to say about a movie and i did it for probably two or three years i want to say it was like 2012 into 15 i would say and it was it was fun for a time, but the monotony of bad movie after bad movie just slamming you across the head. Even before you started reviewing or that happened this, after? This happened during my tenure as a film critic. I just stopped enjoying watching, the, watching movies or going to the movies because, number one, you have to go. Mm-hmm. You don't get to go. You have to go. But you you do get to go a week before everyone else. There's this whole press release for a film. And the press goes and sits in a semi-empty theater and watches the movie, takes notes, goes, writes a review. And then theoretically, by opening day, which is usually a Friday, you have your review in the paper or your publication, wherever it is. Yeah. And I used to actually listen to... Like in a in the radio one, the local one here. Yeah, I, I love I those. Watched movies with that guy. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if it's the same. Yeah, the same it, one you worked with or, or no? Worked for. I didn't work with with him, but every single press outfit had a person, and you get to recognize people. And uh -huh. I, you know, I'm kind there's of, not that many. Yeah, I stuck to myself and didn't really reach out, but you could recognize people from time to time and really yeah and you get to know who's writing for what and some people have a bigger presence than others i legitimately enjoyed listening like i would pick out based on that review i would pick out what i would watch because again when i came here i also had a friend that you know it was this whole movie love has followed me so meeting you knowing that you're tired of watching movies at the movies it was just kind of perfect for us. Yeah, our our timing worked mm -hmm. out real well in that regard. And, yeah. And to this day, I don't dread going to the movie theater, but I certainly don't relish the opportunity unless it's something that is just so beyond good that it's a guarantee slam dunk. And there's there's just no way a movie can have that criteria these days because they're trying to pander to so many different money entities so there's a lot of different factors that are going against 
quality entertainment in the movies. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about a few that we liked. Yeah, and actually, I I believe the last time we went to the movies was the prequel or like <laughs> yes. the the first part of this movie, the You're first right. one. And so the first one is what's it called? It's called The Glass Onion, which is a knives out tale, I believe, mm-hmm. or knives out or, story. Yeah. Something like that. But this is a sequel to the original movie called Knives Out, and it doesn't have anything to do with that original story, but it features the main character who's played by Daniel Craig, and it's a murder mystery. So what we're going to do, and what I asked Han to do, is to give us a like a little snippet professional review. <laughs> we'll hear his review, and then we'll both kind of like give our regular people two cents together and believe me i am a regular ass person here (laughs) and definitely rusty when it comes to critiquing films and one thing i'll say before we get into this is that in order to be a really good film critic you have to love film and movies more than any other medium more than music more than youtube or yeah more than tv or or anything and I personally did not fit that bill and grew a little jaded as a result. So it's difficult for me to really find a movie that I can love and uh, want to share with people. But luckily, we we have a few. We'll do the the uh, the glass onion, uh-huh. the knives out. So as I mentioned, it features Daniel Craig, who is most famous for his James Bond fame, and he has kind of. I don't want to say reinvented himself because this is a two-movie situation here. This isn't a huge franchise yet, but who knows? Maybe they'll have a third and fourth film in this vein. But anyway, he's he's playing an American character, which <laughs> I always find it interesting to watch British actors play American characters. And he's not just playing an American character like you or I. He's playing a very specific American character, a very southern like a louisiana foghorn leghorn style of character and it's a a unique accent and he does pretty well with it i gotta say it sometimes it's not the best but i'm gonna be quiet i want people to hear (laughs) your review and then and then we can like uh give it like our our funny thoughts so in most cases or in all cases i would provide a synopsis of a Mm -hmm basic synopsis just kind of running over the characters and the actors so typically if there were spoilers i would mention it but i would try not to do too many spoilers and just because the assumption is is that most people haven't seen the movie it's the review is released the same day as the movie so in this knives out tale the glass onion it takes place on a greek island and it features of course daniel craig playing benoit blanc the famous detective who is world-renowned, apparently, for his detectiving, which is a little hard to believe just because we don't idolize detectives anymore. But that's a leap that we're willing to make in this case. Uh, As we mentioned before, it's a sequel, and there are zero recurring characters outside of Benoit Blanc. So just get used to the the fact that this is a brand new story with new characters. I think it works well because you probably could have developed another story based on the existing characters of the previous one. But I think by having a new story immediately in the second movie, it allows the, the series to be serial and to maybe reinvent itself whenever it needs to. So anyway, we have Benoit Blanc, who's been invited to this Greek island who's owned by an Elon Musk-esque character, we'll just say, and hopefully not have to mention his name again. This character is called Miles Braun, and he is played by Edward Norton, one of my favorite actors. And you haven't seen Edward Norton in a little bit, so it's good to see him back on the main screen. And he kind of plays a a bumbling version of this billionaire tycoon and it revolves around his invitation of his friend group to his greek island as well and they're all expected there except for benoit blanc shows up on his own through other means which we'll mention later miles Braun's friends group or friend group is called the disruptors and this is basically just a college group of friends who kind of found fame 
through miles. I think that's the uh, what's implied here is that they are pretty renowned in their own fields, but because they rode his coattails as a billionaire and he's pulled some strings to get them there and they're called the disruptors and they all think they're really cool. So real quick, the actors playing these characters are, are really well-known actors and, and they do a very good job. We have Kate Hudson, we have Jessica Harwick, Catherine Hahn, and Janelle Monet. And the whole premise revolves around the fact that Janelle Monet's character really invented the company that made Edward Norton this billionaire tycoon. And he stole it from her. He kicked her out. She's no longer part of the friend group, but she's showing up to this annual event that they have nonetheless. The invitation states that they all have to participate in a murder mystery that features Miles's murder. So he's basically schemed to have this whole murder mystery thing over the weekend with all of his friends. And Benoit Blanc shows up as well. Overall, I think that the writing and the dialogue and the character interaction due to the actor's quality is, is, is really good. We have we have Dave Bautista. He's most famous, I would say, for his role in the Guardians of the Galaxy, where he plays Dax, who's this just big brood of a character. And he's obviously an enormous man, and he plays a very kind of controversial character where he's an anti-feminist, male-centric, kind of Andrew Tate-like character. And his social media following is all thanks to Miles. You know, this whole group, Kate Hudson and Ed Norton, Daniel Craig, they all are very, they have very good chemistry. The murder mystery thing goes off the rails immediately, and then it turns into an actual murder mystery. And it weaves through some unexpected turns. It uh, sets you up for some satisfying endings or things that you do expect and it doesn't give away too much throughout the entire story so it keeps you on the edge of your seat it provides plenty of levity and, and light moments to go with the dark drama of murder and each character has their own chance to shine so overall i would give glass onion a knives out mystery 4.5 out of 5 stars wow so that's pretty good it, it there were no points at which I was saying, I wish that they would speed through this or oh, I can't believe they're asking me to make this leap of faith or suspension of disbelief. And it kept rolling and it was a satisfying mystery. I agree. I really liked it. I think my, my least favorite thing is the Southern draw that <laughs> Daniel Craig has because it's not believable. Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> You're a great actor. I honestly... For the first movie, it was way more noticeable. Oh, it was. It and was the, the second movie, I didn't dwell on it hardly at all. So I feel like it, the movie, the first movie really relied on how he spoke, mm -hmm. whereas the other one had a little more action going and it doesn't rely on his wits on how he speaks. Yeah. Don't you feel like the other movie had a lot more talking going on? It did, but they also had to establish his character a lot more just because it was the first time we'd seen him and this whole the the concept of the movie it was I, I don't know it's very it's kind of old school is what I'd say and just older movies take a while to unfold yeah and they kind of leaned into that clue or just other kind of murder mystery style of movie they they leaned into it a bit which have become a little bit popular, kind of oh, yeah. like, I feel like maybe most of the ones we watched were a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah. Overall, I really found it entertaining, and I really liked the entire cast. I mean, even Daniel Craig, I, I love him. So, yeah, it was a great movie. I would give it a five star. I, not a <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Straight to the big guns. Yeah, sure. All right. When I like a movie, I like it. I don't know. I guess I'm not. I'm like a... When it comes to movies, I think I'm all or nothing. <laughs> all righty. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Let's see. Shall we move on to the next? Yes. Yeah, so what was the next one? I also found it. Um, Should we see. do it in any specific order? or? Oh, yeah. The next one I found was Bullet Train. And I thought you might like it just because, I don't know, it has Brad Pitt. And I know that you like some of his movies. And I also like Brad Pitt. So I thought he's a little funny sometimes, you know. I do like Brad Pitt as an actor and generally like the movies that he chooses to be in 
Yeah. And Bullet Train was another one that it kind of felt like a throwback in that, number one, Brad Pitt had his glory. Let's face it. His glory days were the late 90s, early 2000s. Absolutely. The Fight Clubs of the World, Snatch, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Those are like quintessential Brad Pitt action movies. And this was kind of hearkening back to that where he's getting a little more physical and doing his own stunts a bit. And the whole concept of the movie reminded me a lot of a Guy Ritchie type plot. So Snatch, I mentioned a second ago, that was a Guy Ritchie film featuring Brad Pitt. takes place in England where we have basically the lowest, (laughs) the scum of the earth, British mafia characters populating the movie. It makes for a very compelling story. I think Guy Ritchie has a really kind of fast-paced storytelling method and, and style. And this really reminded me a lot of that. Was Guy Ritchie the the director on this one or producer? He he had nothing to do with this as far as I can tell. This one was directed by David Leitch or Leach, L-E-I-T-C-H. And he's best known for, for doing some ac- uh, action movies like Fast and the Furious or John Wick. Yeah, one of the things I like about Brad Pitt movies the most is that they're just always a little bit funny. And I think that this one had a little bit of funniness. But here we go. Tan's going to give us his <laughs> professional review. So first of all, I would say that the movie Bullet Train falls into the genre of mafia movies. It's it's not like The Godfather or that type of mafia movie, but it's it's more in line with the Guy Ritchie style of mafia movies where you have mafioso style characters who are calling the shots in in pretty much every scene. The whole idea of Bullet Train is that we have a Russian mafia guy who somehow has infiltrated the Yakuza in Japan and he has become the head of the Japanese mafia for all intents and purposes. He has some family members who are involved here including his son, who is basically the introduction. It revolves around his son. We have two British mafia guys or tough guys for hire, I guess, who are escorting this rich mafioso son back to Kyoto, Japan, where he will be uh, reunited with his mafia dad and, you know, have who knows what will happen at that point. So we are introduced to all of these characters, including Brad Pitt, who's an American character, obviously. He's not putting on an accent, luckily. But we have these British mobsters who are escorting the Russian guy. We have Brad Pitt. We have a, another Russian person who is kind of this young assassin girl who, a hard-to-describe character at this point, but uh, she's played by Joey King, who's a Netflix favorite. She's in all kinds of Netflix shows. And like I said, this takes place in Japan, so we have, actually have another Japanese character and he's just called the elder here but he's played by Hiroyuki Sanada all of these characters are on this bullet train to basically collect a payday and each one has a different set of instructions that they've received from their various people who pay them and we don't really know who's working for who or who is in cahoots with whom and at one point bad bunny shows up as a mexican assassin and the the story weaves around how all of these assassins are linked basically at killing each other's family members and that this russian guy has hired them all to be on this bullet train at once to i don't know kill each other i guess is is it wasn't really explained that well it all kind of goes off the rails when just everything but without spoiling too much of the plot things definitely get crazy everybody intertwines in one way or the other and <laughs> ends up having a pretty physical altercation in most cases and there's a fine line of comedy that happens because this is all happening on a Japanese bullet train, which one would expect to be very quiet and, you know, you don't want to disrupt the people on the train. So these people in physical altercations are trying to not get too noticed in in achieving their goals. But eventually the train clears out and they have free reign to go crazy and things just get really crazy from there. And it's just an interesting story with 
fun characters really good quality interaction and dialogue and never a dull moment is what i would say about bullet train i would say i'd give bullet train a four out of five wow i would say four there's what made you knock this one down <laughs> there's some suspension of disbelief things that are a little hard to to get over to i tend to forgive those in the face of entertainment and again suspend the disbelief i would say that there was a few few more things that i had to suppress an eye roll for but yeah overall yeah. the action was fun the writing was good the characters were fun so four out of five i feel like i'm just gonna give it a pass or a not pass and <laughs> i feel like this one was a pass for me i think it's a total watchable yeah sure give five i don't care i like that tangerine <laughs> yeah was your doppelganger i'm gonna <laughs> post pictures of him on our uh of him and you like a side by side or something because, yeah, Tan was the one who told me, he's like, I can't stop thinking how maybe I look like this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, let me look. Because I, I kept thinking, oh, Brad Pitt's reminded me of Tan because they both have long hair right now. But when I started looking, yeah, that guy totally looks like you. His name is Aaron Taylor Tom uh, Johnson, by the way. And now, like, he just has curly hair, so... I think he looked more like you. Oh, because he had a mustache too in the show, yes. in the movie. Well, and, and those two characters, Tangerine and Lemon, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry, respectively. Uh -huh. They were highlights of the movie, I would say. Yeah, I would think so. I would honestly say that Brad Pitt was not the strong part of the movie. But I think that the fact that he was okay with that, yeah. like made it so that that movie worked really well. Yeah, he, he was... Truly an ensemble actor in an ensemble cast, which is it's not always the case for an actor of that mm -hmm. that size. So Yeah, you like impressive. When you see someone like I don't know, Tom Cruise, you know that <laughs> he's still wanting to do those crazy stunts and stuff like yeah, that. Ain't and... no ensemble with Tom Cruise. Mm -mm, no. But it's very enjoyable. This was a really great movie. I liked I guess to me I haven't really watched any Guy Ritchie, but I was reminded a lot of Kill Bill. Like a little bit like that. Yeah, I would say Quentin Tarantino and Guy Ritchie share a lot of the similar aesthetic, although I'll bet Quentin Tarantino would slap me if he heard me say that because he's such a prick. But... I feel like he would just slap anyone for any reason, so ew. <laughs> yeah, but very similar aesthetic focus on mobster type characters and yeah, interactions that often involve murder and crime. Yeah. Yeah, fun guys. Yeah, it, it felt like sort of like Kill Bill in a, in a train. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really entertaining. It did take place in Japan as well. Yeah, you're like, you know, moving through the train and unveiling what's going on. You think you know. And I think one of my other favorite things was Bad Bunny's Mexican accent. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> he's so good at it. Yeah. He, he I, did he did good. I think he's Dominican, right? Didn't we? Yeah, I looked it up. He was, I think. Uh, actually, let me just look it up. Yeah, having Bad Bunny in there at all was, <laughs> I thought, pretty funny and he doesn't play a large role, so he doesn't have to carry the story too much, but he shows up and contributes in a big way. Yes. And I'm sorry, he's Puerto Rican, not Dominican. But um, I just think that he did a really great job <laughs> doing a Mexican accent as a Mexican girl. <laughs> Cabron. <laughs> yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. So I would say Bullet Train, a solid four out of five. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Five. Five out of five. <laughs> sure. Woo. What was our next one? I feel like I, I made him watch all of these. Yeah, this one I just know we both love Christian Bell. <laughs> yeah, so we watched The Pale Blue Eye, mm -hmm. and this is a period drama is the genre, I would say, but kind of falls into the thriller category and occultish thriller. <laughs> so Tell us, babe, tell us. <laughs> absolutely. The Pale Blue Eye, for those of you not familiar is a line from an Edgar Allan Poe poem and he is one of America's best known poets we'll say and I know there's not a lot of poets anyone could tell today or yesterday but people today know Edgar Allan Poe and that's for a reason and a lot of it's due to his dark nature as an author and poet and the themes that he explored in his works but The Pale Blue Eye does actually feature Edgar Allan Poe as a character. And he's played by Harry Melling. And Harry Melling is what I would call an odd-looking fellow. He's just like yeah. not 
your average looking guy. And what I found interesting about this movie is that there's pretty much all British or English, Welsh, Irish actors. <laughs> and it takes place in, in the United States, in New York, of all places, West Point, which is the school where army cadets go to become officers. And it takes place in Edgar Allan Poe's lifetime in the 1830s. And he's a character. And uh, I don't know too much about his life and times, so I can't speak to whether he was actually a cadet in West Point. But for the sake of this film, Edgar Allan Poe is a cadet at West Point, And he is amongst uh, a bunch of other cadets, one of which who has just killed himself slash maybe was murdered we don't know so that's kind of the intro is that we have this this death that occurs at west point and christian bale plays the character augustus landor he is a, an investigator basically a, not a cop by any means but he had successfully solved murders previously and it sounds like he had also worked for the united states army or united states in one way shape or form so we open on christian bale's meager little estate in upstate new york and the united states army is basically conscripting him to come solve this murder and he goes to west point and interacts with all of the officers there who are in charge and interviews some of the students who were related to the dead man in any way, shape, or form. And Edgar Allan Poe is kind of tangentially related. We basically try to solve this murder. We come to the conclusion that it isn't a suicide. It's a murder. And Christian Bale's character, Landor, is tasked with solving it. And, you know, we're given little by little, just like Christian Bale's character who puts together the story. There's a lot of puzzle play and kind of code breaking that happens between Christian Bale's character and Edgar Allan Poe. And they have some really interesting dialogue and character relationships. And the whole time during this, this investigation, there's the wealthy kids of the school and their family are kind of represented and Christian Bale's character, Landor, you know, he's inquiring all these people. So he gets to know all of the people of West Point, including the non-cadets. And it turns out that there's some sketchy shit going on. And it takes quite a while to understand what it is. It's almost until the very, very end. So I'm not going to go ahead and, and spoil it. But just know that it's a kind of gripping whodunit. You know, we're... we're trying to figure out who killed. I'll say that the the dialogue is the best part of, of this film because not much happens. Like, all in all, not much happens. Really excellent acting, especially by Christian Bale. He's, he's just excellent in everything he's ever done. And I've never seen Christian Bale in a role where I was like, huh, that, that didn't work. <laughs> so I'll give him credit where credit is due. Harry, Harry Melling is also equally up to the task you know that it's got to be difficult to act in a scene with christian bale as a younger actor and and he seems up to the task and all of the other british actors are very good as well and i like the story i like the twist i like the whole occult idea that they don't shy away from and edgar Allan poe as a character is always pretty cool to see as well so i would highly recommend the movie it's fairly long, wasn't it over two hours? I do take runtime into consideration. Yeah, two hours and eight minutes. So it's not the longest film, but you know, for a period drama, sometimes our attention spans can be not that great. So take take that into consideration. But I would give The Pale Blue Eye a 4.5 out of 5 as well. 4.5? Yeah. I don't think you're going to like my, my rating. You I, don't like it? No, you're not going to like mine. What is it? It's like a 10 for me out of five. Like, honestly, <laughs> I love this movie. It's two hours and I didn't get get bored once. Yeah. yeah it's like exactly. probably one of the longest ones we reviewed. And I don't. And all of them have been up to now who who done it. Or yeah. <laughs> it's all unfolding. It's suspense. Like, I think yeah. I think I enjoy a good suspenseful movie. And all of these have been very suspenseful. Susp Am I saying it right? Suspenseful. Suspenseful. Wow. 
I've been saying that wrong all my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take all of that out. Jolly Rangers. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I really enjoyed this movie. I, I loved Christian Bell too. I feel like the beauty about Christian Bell is that the whole entire movie can rely on his acting chops and he, he can carry it easily. It's yeah. very, and, and not only that, I feel like when other guys or other actors act with him, he brings out like their amazingness too. So yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. He's it's very enjoyable. Definitely someone that's hard to look away from on screen. Yeah. Even if he looks like Dick Cheney. Exactly. We <laughs> even said that like afterwards. It's like it doesn't matter what he looks like. Like an American gangster, he's really, he's bald and has a big belly. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. You just still want to see what he, what the hell he's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. This is a great movie. I really recommend it. Watch it over and over again. It's great. Yeah. You might need subtitles, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their accents are all very English. And that was, a, it took me a second to get used to that because they're English actors. And I'm I'm trying to rationalize it in my head, say, okay, I obviously didn't exist in 1830. Is it possible that the American accent had not formed fully by I then? I think time? so. And it was kind of an amalgamation of British and Northeastern or I, I don't know, but yeah, it's not that removed in the 1830s from the American Revolution. So yeah. uh, I think that's what they were going for, but it, it was noticeable and something yeah. that I was like, huh, and had to kind of rationalize in my head. But I think I told you when we start, I'm like, I'm going to need subtitles on this <laughs> and one. Yes, we yeah. did watch it with subtitles. <laughs> yeah, once you get into it, you totally are drawn into the, the world of that movie. Like, yeah. you don't get bored, you don't want to look at your phone. Like with Bullet Train, I looked at my phone. <laughs> with the Onion, I, I totally looked at my phone. <laughs> I've been pretty lenient, but this one is actually really good. I I love this movie. Yeah, Gillian Anderson plays a great. Oh my, crazy she's lady. always good. Yeah, yeah. And what's our last one? And our final movie that I'll I'll deep dive into here is called The Menu. Mm-hmm. And this is an HBO movie. So this one to me is totally worth it. I I think this one irked you a little bit this was one hour and 47 minutes an hour and 47 minutes mm-hmm. so it's almost two hours it felt longer than that i'll say because there's some situations that are straight up cringe that you're like oh my oh my god i want to get through this i want to get past this but it's only due to the fact that it's written that way and it's meant to elicit those feelings i don't even know if i can talk about this movie without giving too much away because it's it defies expectations at all turns. I'll try to set it up as best as possible, but <laughs> we'll see. Okay, tell us, tell us. So the menu features Rafe Fiennes, who's one of my favorite actors as well. And y- you kind of were like, who's that? And I was like, Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, I could never. And he's a- a- one of those actors that he kind of got pigeonholed as a fancy pants british period actor and early on in his career because he was handsome and is it ralph it's rafe that's how you say it in england in the united states you say ralph ralph but for some odd reason they say rafe that sounds cute my name is rafe it's beautiful rafe (laughs) right but anyway rafe finds wait say your name say tanner with a british accent and then tanner (laughs) i like it (laughs) tanner i love it yeah, so Ray Fiennes, also a British actor, playing an American here. I don't know. Maybe that's the theme here. We just need more Brits <laughs> acting as Americans. Yeah. Because Americans sure. can't cut it. Hey, wait, who who else was a Brit? Daniel Craig. We have um, the entire cast of The Pale Blue Eyes, all Brits. And what's the other movie? Oh, Bullet Train. That yeah, one, we didn't have any Brits there. No, oh, Not maybe... playing Americans. They were playing Brits. But... Yeah, okay. So that one was fine. Yeah, Um, I agree. <laughs> So back to the menu. We mm-hmm. have Ray Fines. He's a master chef. I guess one of the most renowned chefs in the world. He is basically the executive chef at this fancy pants restaurant called The Hawthorne. And it exists on an island. So you cannot get there unless you are a wealthy asshole, I guess. And I think he at one point says that it's $1,100 a, a plate or a head, or whatever. So if you want to come eat there, it's $1,100. And it's the absolute height of pretension. <laughs> it's like every single little detail has been considered and it everything is locally sourced from the island. And 
everything has an organic blah 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 it's it's just if it's pretentious then picture it that it's there yeah it's it's basically beyond pretentious and that's basically the concept of the movie is that we have this immense pretension and upper class notion of food where you can have a meal that costs eleven hundred dollars is that food worth eleven hundred dollars absolutely not it's it's the experience you're paying for it's the the exclusivity and that's the theme of this movie is that food has become the bastion of the exclusive and the wealthy and sure you can go to mcdonald's and get a cheeseburger and consume the amount of calories that you would at this place but the experience is eleven hundred dollars so you're getting a completely different experience so the the cast of characters we have ray fines as the master chef the rest of the cast is basically rich people except for one which we'll get to but we have anya taylor joy who's playing this character Margot, who is the companion of tyler who's played by nicholas holt and they're kind of the central characters here the central couple at least we experience most of the action through either her experience or Tyler's experience or both of their experience. And Tyler's just your average rich guy who's really, really into food. And he's all about predicting what they're going to be doing and, and kind of what the experience is going to be like. We have Janet McTeer playing the character Lillian, who is this ultra pretentious food critic who apparently interacted with Ray Fine's character early on in his career and got him an opportunity. So she's she's there and all she can do is complain about how terrible everything is and she's just over the top pretentious. And all through every scene, really, up until the end, she thinks that everything is is there for her, for her to observe and to write about. So she has this whole me, me, me complex about the existence of this place and and everything uh, we also have john leguizamo playing a washed up actor and his uh his assistant felicity played by amy carrero a trio of rich assholes who are, are really good actors but they're basically the same person <laughs> they're just a rich uh, a vision of the rich youth of america who work for the character ted who is the financier the the financier of this whole thing the the money and so ted owns the island owns the restaurant hires ray fines whose name is chef slovic and all of these rich people show up to dinner i presume once a week or who knows but at this particular time the chef has prepared a very very special menu and the whole film is about how the rich and the powerful ultimately don't appreciate the small finer things all of the things that go into preparing a meal of this caliber they return time after time and cash their check pay their bill but at the end of the day they don't remember what it is they ate it, the food wasn't as meaningful to them as it is to the chef who's essentially a working class guy so there's this whole them versus us service versus rich people that develops and drives the plot and it takes some dark ass turns this is a dark dark movie i probably should have said that at the beginning this is one of the darkest movies i've ever seen actually and you think you know it's oh it's about a menu well it's crazy <laughs> and there were times multiple times where i was left mouth agape basically like whoa whoa and it takes a lot to elicit that kind of response from me at this point so the fact that the menu did that several times like i said it felt longer than the one minute one hour and 47 minutes that it claims but only because it takes you painstakingly through the evening to make sure that you as the the viewer experience the same kind of anxiety that the patrons of the restaurant experience throughout the night. So acting amazing dialogue, really good. The one thing that I will say 
has to do with the suspension of disbelief once again. There's a lot of times where you're like, okay, humans don't act this way. Humans don't interact this way. It's pretty stylized, I'll say. So a lot of that can be explained just due to the style and, and the pacing of everything. There are some interactions where you're like, okay, <laughs> I'll just accept that and move on. Again, those are, are smaller considerations when the overall, just the artistic nature of this film is is mind-boggling. Just the visuals and the painstaking nature that they went through to show you the things that they wanted to show in the kind of detail that they wanted to show. And, and I appreciate that as a film viewer and a person who makes films himself not on that level. It was impressive. The story moved along very nicely and twisted and turned nowhere in any shape or form where I expected. And I thought all of the acting was top notch. So five, five stars. Wow. I can't believe you're giving the menu five stars. <laughs> I and you didn't it. give the pale blue eye um, five stars. You gave it 4.5. <gasps> I can't <laughs> believe it. I'd give it a solid four. Yeah, I know that you were not as crazy about the menu. You know, I loved almost everything about it. I love Anya Taylor-Joy. I love that actress. I just, I didn't like her character. That's the problem. I just really hated her character. It yeah. was just like, ugh, just Ev too much. Well, and every character in that film is loathsome, which is hard to do a movie well where not one character is redeemable and you're not rooting for anyone. <laughs> But I think they were trying to make us, uh, like root for root for, for her. her character. But they they just did kind of a terrible job. And, um, well, I I don't I don't know if that's the the truth. I don't think that we were meant to root for her. No, I think that at the end of the day, she made the choices that she made, and her outcome was what it was. But none of it was glorified, I didn't feel like. It's just like, okay, this is the choice that got made on your behalf, and and that's that was it. I've seen her act in a very similar role in the movie Split, and I know that she has the acting ability to make it. So it's nothing about her acting ability. I really just think that the character was written really, really weird, and somehow it becomes really unlikable and I don't, I can't even pinpoint it because I think that because she is so likable as an actress, she redeems it. But I still think there's something off there that yeah. the other thing, I think that you're just not meant to like this movie because that <laughs> we're not going to say the ending, but the ending, how everything ends, there's just like one piece that kind of is open ended and that kind of stays with you. Even after, for me, it stayed with me after I watched the movie. Like, yeah. I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what? You're right. It takes a dark turn. I thought it was going to be a little funny because there's like in the trailers, um, she asks her date, are you crying? And I thought that was really funny. I thought there was going to be more of that. And yeah. I know that she could probably be funny and it would, because we've seen her in the Queen's, what's it called? Queen's Gambit. Oh my goodness. She's so great in that, yeah. in that show. Yeah, you're right. The trailer did have, I think it showed every comedic element that was in the film was in the trailer. Yeah. So that was a little misleading. It totally is. And also like the menu, I was like, it's super mis misleading. It was either, I thought it was going to be like an actual film critic and maybe she was the critic or I thought it was going to be more like a, a cutesy, uh, like a date and how pretentious it is and actually see this girl go through like a regular like regular like it would happen in a regular life it was not that at all once it takes a dark turn it's kind of difficult with her character and where to place her but i think that that's how the entire movie handled her it's like we don't know where to place her yeah and yeah. of that she did a great job being the awkward person that she was yeah and, yeah yeah great acting great leading lady <laughs> um Okay, fine. I give it a five. Now I like it. Damn it. <laughs> but it is a little bit darker. Yeah. It's not one that I want to rush out and watch again. I'll tell mm -mm. you that much. And yeah, I think I'm okay not watching it again. You know, I think that, that that can be indicative of a really good movie or a really bad movie. And in this case, I think it's a really good movie because it said everything it needed to say. It's not like it left too much on the table. You, you're not 
left guessing except for that one yeah specific moment that you mentioned you're not left guessing about anything else it uh it delivers on a lot of different levels yeah it does it it was a good movie it's hard it's really hard it's a hard to watch one it has a lot of hard to watch moments it's very anxiety inducing yep you're going through it as much as the cast is going (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it's cool I, i i like the movie i think it's worth watching and not very many movies can claim that so we have to see the new avatar movie i i know everybody's oh all about that but i don't know if i can isn't it like, like four hours four or something hours. i don't know babe. Uh, although we terrible. just talked about like basically six hours of entertainment here yeah. we'll just have to wait till it comes out on hbo we'll <laughs> see we'll see if we can do it yeah but that was basically our january our movie critic January or whatever what do you what do we call it (laughs) January films with Tanner and Gabby (laughs) uh they didn't come out in January no none of them I don't think so we were were a little behind they weren't the newest films but still they're probably new to a lot of you out there and I I suggest if you have two hours that you want to devote to some entertainment that is more than keeping up with the Kardashians and check out any or the NFL or the NFL (laughs) Yeah, there's some good movies out there. Thankfully, they're still being made. Yeah. If you guys have any other suggestions of movies that you've loved as well, we'll watch them. Yeah. We'll we'll watch them and tell you what we think. I know that that means the world to you. So (laughs) let us know. Let us know what you think. Have an Instagram and a Facebook page. Please leave a comment on either one of those. Just go say hi. Follow us if you would like. (laughs) Yeah. So that's our thoughts on the movies. Tinseltown. Well, uh, we would love to stay in chat, but we have uh, failed tamales to handle because that's what we did this afternoon. We're hoping that they've come around after three hours in the pot. Yeah. Please send us good vibes. We need them. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for listening. We will catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.